So hey everybody, good morning. I'm Pastor Gary here. And I want to say thank you this morning for joining us <clears throat> for our final message in our series on living a generous life. Next week, we're going to begin a new series on the book of Esther. I know it was not on the calendar for this year, but with everything that has happened this year and just things that I've been speaking with various people about and seen on social media, I felt it, that God was moving me to teach this book in particular. The reason for that is that we all need to understand, I believe, and to learn to lean on the reality that God is sovereign over all things, even when it seems like he has become distant or silent or even perhaps forgotten about us. And the book of Esther will help to teach us that very well. This morning, we're going to wrap up our series on living a generous life, though. So far, we've looked at the principle that receiving God's blessing spiritually is not a passive experience, but something we should actively enter into when we give. And as a result, it is better to give than to receive. And we have looked at the idea that a generous life gives without seeking anything in return. A blessed gift begins with the right motives. And then two weeks ago, we saw that we can't worry about what others have to give. We are simply called to give God all that we are. And that regardless of whatever situation we may find ourselves in, we all have something that we can give to God. Today is perhaps the most important of all of these. And the reason for this is that today's point is not simply about the blessing we receive here and now. My hope is that today, after we're finished, you will walk away with an understanding that, yes, there are blessings of a generous life for here and now, but there are eternal rewards associated with giving as well. I know that it's not an easy thing to have an eternal mindset, one that looks forward to life with Christ eternally, because the daily grind of life tends to get in the way. But today, I want us to begin to do that very thing, because what you do today affects how you live eternally. So today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 30. Let's read our passage and then we'll walk through it together and gain a greater understanding of what Jesus was teaching in this parable. Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 <clears throat> through 30. Jesus says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another, two talents, and to another, one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off. He dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the <clears throat> other five. And he said, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. 
And his master replied and said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. And he said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied and said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came and he said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus in this parable is describing for us our lives as we live them now. And he's trying to get us to understand how it is we should live our lives in light of the coming kingdom. Because this is a parable and can be confusing, I am going to in advance describe who some of the main characters are and what is overall happening in the parable so that when we're going through the parable, you will have a better understanding of what Jesus is saying. In the parable, Jesus is the one who is the master and I believe that all of humanity in various stages of their spiritual life is represented by the three servants. So that's who it is that's playing these different parts in our parable. So let's begin by looking at verse 14. Jesus says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and trusted his property to them. So Jesus is the man in the parable who's going on the journey. Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for his coming departure and help them come to a better understanding of what might be called perhaps kingdom economics. He needs them to understand these economic principles because they don't work like human economics might work. And Jesus tells them that he's going on a long journey. Jesus is preparing them for his eventual death, burial, and resurrection, after which he will leave them and will return to the Father. And while he is going, he is entrusting us with his property, so to speak. Now, Jesus doesn't entrust us with actual physical property or money, right? But rather, when Jesus departed to be with God, he has entrusted us with his grace, his mercy, his blessings. He's blessed us with who he is. He's not entrusted us all with the same blessings, though. But rather, he has entrusted each one of us as we will see differently 
and for various reasons. And as we continue, we'll begin to see more clearly what these blessings are. So let's now look at verse 15, where Jesus says, To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, we see that Jesus has entrusted these three uniquely different amounts of money. But why has he done this? The passage says that it's because of their differing abilities. We need to see this point very clearly because it separates these three individuals into two very distinct groups. There are those who are entrusted with Jesus' blessing and then have the ability to take that blessing and see that blessing become more than it was when Jesus first gave it to them. And then there are those who do not have the ability to take Jesus' blessing and do anything with it. So who are these two distinct groups being laid before us? The first group, I believe, are those who have placed their faith and trust in their master, Jesus. They are Christians. The second group is described quite well at the end of the passage. I will give you the answer now so it makes it easier to understand the parable as we go through it. These individuals who do nothing with the blessing of Jesus are unbelievers. They are those who have been blessed by the message of Jesus Christ and have chosen not to believe the truth of what they have heard of their master. That means that our first two individuals mentioned are those who have taken the blessing of Jesus and they see clearly who the loving master is and their response to this blessing is a desire to serve him. So I believe that this grace that is blessed to the third ser servant the unbeliever is simply what is oftentimes called common grace. This single ta talent, so to speak, is what is called common grace. Common grace is God's grace that is common to all of mankind. We all receive rain for crops to grow. We all receive air to breathe in order to sustain our life. These things are to be seen as gracious gifts from God for the sustainment of our lives. But these gracious gifts are common to all of mankind. That's why they're called common grace. God does not hold back his grace in giving these gifts to anyone. And there is a sense in which the gift of these desperately needed things reveal the nature of God to humankind. He reveals himself continually through the very nature of nature itself all around us. In Romans chapter 1 verse 20 we read, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. God, through his generous grace, has revealed himself to all of mankind, and many choose to bury that truth and reject their creator. God knew every one of them that would bury this truth, that would hide his grace, that would reject his gift, and yet in his infinite grace, mercy, and loving kindness, in his generosity, he still shows them his grace here and now. He has chosen to allow them to walk down this path of darkness, even though they reject their perfect loving father, who wants to so much more, who wants so much more for them. But a loving father sometimes must allow his children to make mistakes and then suffer the consequences of those decisions. 
in verses 16 and 17, we read, The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. <clears throat> I've already alluded to the fact that these two individuals are true believers in Jesus Christ. And so what is the difference between the two servants then? Jesus has already said that they are entrusted with blessings equal to their ability. But what is it that determines their ability? It is simply a matter of spiritual maturity. There are those who, based on their spiritual maturity, will give more of Christ with the blessing of His grace than others will that same amount of blessing and grace. And as such, Jesus gives accordingly to each and every one of us. Now, we must avoid the most common reaction to this, which is to start trying to measure each other up, right? Because none of us knows what is and is not the gracious blessings of the Lord in another person's life for them to be able to then invest that into the kingdom of God. Our first impression, based on a very simple reading of our parable, is to look at wealth, right? But the truth is, wealth sometimes, and oftentimes, can be much more of a curse than it is a blessing. Jesus blesses us in so many ways that I believe it is impossible for us to fully understand them all. And as such, it is impossible for us to weigh the value of the blessing and grace that God gives to each one of us. You must and can only examine yourself. You cannot examine your spouse's life, your children's lives, or anyone else's life. Only they can do that with the help of Jesus. And here's what is really important. God has blessed you with his person, with himself. He has blessed you with spiritual gifts and talents. How are you being generous in your use of those gifts and talents to generously bless the lives of those around you? This is how God has called each and every one of us to invest in his kingdom. This is what kingdom economics that I mentioned before is all about. In verse 18 then, we read, But the man who received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Jesus says that this person, the unbeliever, is acting out of what they are only able to do with the gift that Jesus has given to them. They bury it and they hide it. That way, you see, they don't have to look at it, to interact with it, to continually deal with it. They simply want it to go away and be hidden, but it's still there. Even though they chose to hide it and not acknowledge it, its existence is still very real. Then in verse 19, we read, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them one day. One day Jesus will return when we don't know. And here's what's important. He will settle the accounts for all of mankind. The hope is that none of us come up wanting with what we have done with the grace of Jesus. Verses 20 and 21 read, The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. And he said, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. This servant, because of his faithfulness, will grow in his grace and trust of and from the Lord Jesus. And one day he will go and he will share eternally in the happiness that will pour forth from Jesus. The next two verses record the interaction between our second service, servant, 
And Jesus says, The man with the two talents also came, and he said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. What? What? Hold on. Wait just one second. Jesus' response to both of these servants is exactly the same. The reward that they receive is the same. You see, Jesus is not concerned with what the return on your investment is. It is whether or not you are faithful to invest in his kingdom. Are you or are you not taking the gifts and the grace God has shown you and turning that into blessings for others and therefore investing in his kingdom? Are you being faithful with what he has given you in regards to his kingdom? If you are generous with all that he has given you, then he is generous in his grace towards you. Then, finally, we have this third and final servant. And we read, Then the man who had received the one talent came, and he said, Master, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. There are those who will reject Jesus because they don't truly know his character. And when they stand before Christ, they will say that they then recognize that he is God. And so they present themselves and all that they've done, all their works will be laid before him. And they will say, this is what belongs to you. And then Jesus will respond and he will say, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then. You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, you would have received it back with interest. Jesus implores the man, if you had truly known, if you had really known who I was, then you would have actually invested what I had given you in something, anything. But by investing in nothing, it shows Jesus that this man never truly knew the character and nature of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says, Take the one talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. When all of mankind stands before Jesus and is judged, there will first be a judgment for destination. And that is what Jesus is referring to here in this passage. There will be the haves and the have-nots. There will be those who know and have the grace of Jesus. And there will be those who do not know and therefore do not have the grace of Jesus because what they had been given will be stripped from them and given away. Jesus then continues and says, of those who will be stripped of even the common grace of Jesus, he will say of them, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus ultimately condemns this servant to an eternity in hell. My heart always breaks when I see people post things online about how excited they are that they are going to be partying it up in hell. This short description right here is not any party I wish or I wish anyone else to attend. Hell will be an eternity of spiritual and physical torment. This truth should cause us, believers in Jesus Christ, 
such fear that we would invest everything into the kingdom of heaven to see more saved. And yet this servant says that his fear of the master caused him to do otherwise. It wasn't truly fear. It was not knowing who Jesus truly is, knowing his love. The truth would have set him free of his fear. So many of us today say that we do not share our faith with this unbelieving world because we're afraid of their reaction toward us. We should be fearful more. We should be far more afraid of their reaction to Jesus if they do not know him. This parable should cause us to be even more bold in our sharing of the gracious gift of Jesus with this world because eternity is on the line. We must be generous in our sharing the gift of Jesus with this world. Jesus has given to us his servants so that we might do what is right for his kingdom. We are not supposed to wait passively on the sidelines, but rather we are to actively look for every opportunity to invest, so to speak, what Jesus has so graciously and so generously given to each and every one of us. We cannot allow the fear of failure to keep us from trying. If we do so, what reward will there be for us to reap? If we have to simply try, and if we, have, if we fail, we simply must keep on trying. If you know the perfect love of Jesus, then there should be no fear. We are all called to invest in the kingdom of heaven. So as we bring this series to a close, I want to leave us with some thoughts to consider when weighing our own generosity. How generous was Jesus towards you? I'll help you out with this one. He died for you. How are we taking that example of generosity and using that as our standard and not other people? How are you being generous with what Jesus has given to you? Perhaps right now you're drawing a blank to that one. And that's okay. If so, then what would help you to lead a more generous life with your time, talents, and finances? Would it be to recognize your talents better? Or perhaps to be more responsible with them? Or perhaps to believe in yourself more? Do you need more encouragement from others? Or perhaps you need to trust in God more? You may need to really think through some of these questions. And know this, the church's job is to help with any of these that you need help with. But here is your responsibility. You need to let us know. We cannot help you with something that we do not know about. So if you have something, please let us know. My last question. If Jesus were to return today, what would he say about how generous you have been with what he has so generously given to you? These are important questions because when we get them right, we have the opportunity to share in Jesus' happiness, not only now, but for eternity here and now as well. And I know that this is something I want desperately to experience, and I hope the same is true for you as well. I hope this series was a blessing for you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that today you have touched the hearts of each and every one of us, that we can see clearly your heart of generosity towards us, and that if nothing else, you would help us to lead generous lives. Help us, Lord Jesus, that we would always remember that it is better to give than to receive. So help us to receive deep spiritual blessings from you as we become generous givers of what you have first given to us. 
Help us, Lord Jesus, to give with right motives, to give with expecting nothing in return, because then we will truly be blessed by your grace, mercy, and loving kindness. Lord Jesus, help us all to see that each and every one of us have been graced by you to be able to give something. And Lord Jesus, help us to see that we are blessed by you as we live a generous life before you, and that that blessing extends even into eternity. Lord Jesus, bless each of us that we might be a blessing to our church, to our family, and to our community. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.